I just work my tail off every day. I leave it all on the game field. I give them all I got. I don't give a what the record is. I'm rocking today. It's easy, and he's in the end zone. Yes, he is. What has been going so right to let you do what you've done these last two weeks? It's turning it loose. Can't stop, won't stop. Watch him ride the wave every time I say the phrase when the beat drop. Everything on lock. Make it to the bag, get attached, then we run the bag one more time. Sounds like I'll have a home soon, but for now, Dalvin Cook remains the most notable free agent in the NFL. Do say hello. Welcome into NFL Live. You see our crew, and it's great to have some familiar faces back. Swagoo, the people missed you here on NFL Live. That's Marcus Spears, <laughs> Mina Kimes in the middle, and Kimberly Martin. I am Field Yates. We're going to begin our show today by going right back to the top story amongst running backs, which is Dalvin Cook, who spent his weekend in New York visiting the Jets. Time for Atlanta takeoff. He drew some cheers from the crowd as the potential latest addition to an entirely new look Jets offense. Dalvin Cook addressed his options in free agency over the weekend. Take a listen. Everything about what they got going on, you know, just 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 says winning. And it just got it all written all on it. Ain't no adding that piece, you no know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, just speak for itself. Very good young man. He's, he has a plan. He knows exactly what he wants, and uh, it was just a, a really good discussion. For me, it, you know, he do whatever you need to do to make the best decision for you and your family. And uh, so I'm not pushing, not pressing. I um, think it's an important decision for him and a decision that I, I, I know he's taking very seriously. All right, so if Dalvin Cook signs with the Jets and joins Aaron Rodgers, it would be an historic pairing for Gang Green. No team in NFL history has ever added a quarterback and running back in the same offseason who were each selected to the Pro Bowl in four of the past five seasons. All right, so Kimberly, we start with you. What is the latest with Dalvin Cook? Yeah, you heard Robert Sala say it. We are going to not press him. The Jets have made it clear we would love to have you. But right now, they're almost like that boyfriend, that kind of that guy that says he's interested, but he's not going to sweat you. Hopefully, that's the right play if you're the Jets. Show him that you're interested, but not do too much. If you're Dalvin Cook, though, you understand your leverage in this situation is much different than all the other running backs we've seen. He's got interest from the Patriots and the Dolphins. Dalvin has called the playing for Miami a Cinderella story. So I found it interesting that he still has not yet signed. But the way Dalvin was talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, it seems like a no-brainer to go to Florham Park. But as of right now, Field has not hit paper. Yeah, the Hard Knocks cameras were capturing his moments uh-huh. with the Jets. Perhaps they'll catch or, capture many more. Mina, as we know, uh, Aaron Rodgers recently restructured his contract. That included freeing up $35 million over this season and next. As you look at how the Jets yeah. could reallocate that money, do you think Dalvin Cook would be the best way to spend it? Well, it would be different field if that money was freed up several months ago, maybe when they could have augmented positions of need like offensive tackle, mm. which is a, a bigger need than running back to me. But right now, uh, based on where they are, who's available, Dalvin Cook being, I, I agree, the best option available right now. It, it does make sense, though. I think it is important to put it in proper context I don't believe the Jets would be bringing him, or rather should be bringing him in, as running back one. Brees Hall is the starting running back on this team. Last year, he was better than Dalvin Cook. He was fantastic, despite occasionally some suspect blocking. He's a really good fit for this wide zone rushing attack that I know Nathaniel Hack and Aaron Rodgers want to base their passing game off of. So for me, the decision about whether to sign Dalvin and how much to pay him, you have to look at it through the lens of Brees Hall's availability. 
Even if he's available week one, is he 100% week one? Does it help to bring in Dalvin Cook so that you can spell him, maybe give him some rest and not rush him back into action? I think that's unknown to us, but known to New York, and that's probably, to me, the most important factor in this signing. Yeah, first of all, let me get my priorities in order. Hey, everybody, I have missed y'all sorely. I'm so glad to be back. I saw Kmart this morning on first take and get up. So it's good to see y'all. And, and, and to what we're talking about, I, look, this is a no-brainer. If if the if Dalvin wants to be in New York, and, and to that point, it's about money, right? Like, he has those options because he's a legitimate free agent. When you start talking about this offense, though, I think it would be a match made in heaven. Brees Hall is very good. Obviously, the injury last year kind of hampered him probably not being the offensive player of the year uh, as a rookie, uh, a rookie offensive player of the year. But when I look at Dalvin, I think back to Aaron Jones when, when Aaron Rodgers was in Green Bay and the rapport they had in the passing game and how much that running back position helped that offense through tough times and then when it got going, it was one of the best connections in the league. We've seen Dalvin used in Minnesota in a similar vein. He understands this offense too, which is another uh, high priority, I'm sure, for him and an opportunity to win. So it would be a great landing spot. I still would love to see him in, in, in Miami with all of that space that Tyreek and Jalen Waddle creates at the wide receiver spot. But the New York Jets would not, would not, be crazy to get Dalvin Cook in the building and it'll further their 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 try at winning a Super Bowl. If they can do so, Swaggy, all the cooks will be in the kitchen for week one is Dalvin and the Jets would then face off against his brother James and the Bills Monday Night Football right here on ESPN. Amongst the other changes for the Jets this offseason, hiring Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator. He arrives after less than one season as the Broncos head coach, a tenure that of course drew some notable criticism most recently, new Broncos head coach Sean Payton said this to USA Today last week. Quote, I'm going to be pissed off if this is not a playoff. Everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. Everybody's got a little stink on their hands. It's not just Russell. It was a poor offensive line. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. Quote, Aaron Rodgers defended his offensive coordinator on Sunday. Those comments were very surprising. Um... To, for a coach to do that to another coach. My left hat goes deep. You know, we had some great years together in Green Bay. You know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Mm. It made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. I mean, a more emotional than we normally get here on NFL Live. But what do you make of these comments, both from Peyton about Nathaniel Hackett and now Aaron Rodgers coming to Hackett's defense? Well, while I'm not entirely sure how Sean Payton going after Hackett set Sean Payton up for an easy ball, doesn't really give him an excuse this year. I, I thought Rodgers defending his coach was entirely merited. I, honestly, not unexpected. I imagine played well in the building. Totally get why he said it, and, I, and, and I'm with it. What I do think, however, is worth noting, uh, the only way to really respond to Peyton's comments or to disprove them, of course, is on the field. And that's where I think Nathaniel Hackett is under as much pressure as Aaron Rodgers. He's a guy who gets talked about a lot when we bring up the questions of who's under pressure this season. Not only is he coming from 
Denver, where obviously the offense was quite a failure. You can attribute that to whoever. Um, but, you know, he in Green Bay wasn't the play caller. Jacksonville, the offense was average. This is an opportunity for him to establish himself as a, pro, as a play caller in the NFL. So I think he's under a lot of pressure this season. And I think the best way that Rodgers can really support him is with his play on the field to prove that Payton was wrong. Yeah, let me put a disclaimer out here before I go into my analysis. First of all, when we start saying keep people name out your mouth, we need to give Brand Baby Williams the half of the ownership group of cash money records his just due because he is the reason why we all say this now. And the second part is MK is right in that vein. Look, Sean Payton ain't lie. It was one of the worst coaching jobs we've seen in a while in the NFL. We didn't think Russell Wilson could play football anymore. That's how bad it was. And Russell is not absolved of any of that. But we know coaching and system and scheme had something to do with that. With that being said, it was disrespectful for Sean Payton to say that. And Aaron Rodgers is well within his right to defend Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett is a big part of Aaron Rodgers being in New York. We all saw the domino effect. We knew that they wanted to work together, even leading to his job in Denver, in which I thought I, I have to believe they thought that that would lure Aaron Rodgers to the Denver Broncos. With that being said, like Mina already alluded to, this is about football, right? And what's what's the NFL without beef? And I get it that people talked about the code and um and, and he he broke it and did all of that. Man, I do not care about that. All I care about is this. The New York Jets got Aaron Rodgers. Everybody think that they're going to make a deep playoff run and potentially go to the Super Bowl. I can't wait to see if they can do it. That's really what it boils down to. If, if it's extra motivation, what Sean Payton said, so be it. Great. Use it. Sean Payton got his own stuff to deal with as well. So we'll see when this thing get kicked off. I'm ready, y'all. I like beef, by the way. Y'all know that. Figuratively and, and <laughs> literally. Come <laughs> on, man. I mean, to be fair, Marcus, to be fair, like, that's pretty much what Aaron Rodgers is talking about, which is, hey, Sean, you got your own stuff to worry about. Don't don't mind what we're doing yeah. over here. And I like that. The big question you in particular had about Aaron Rodgers in the offseason was, will this man actually show up? He did that. Not only Absolutely. did he show up in OTAs, he is invested. And when you hear those comments, he's a guy that said, it's almost like the big brother, like, whoa, if you're going to talk about him, you got to come through me. And I love that energy, especially for a guy who, from the outside, we've all seen as selfish and, and he's been described as somebody who's not a team-first guy. Well, he's so far, he's been a team-first guy all the way in Florham Park. Swagoo, I missed you, man. Glad to have you back. <laughs> the Jets play the Broncos in Week 5. That game is out there in Denver. Me and Swaggoo are taking a little buddy trip out there. It'll be a blast. We'll catch all the beef live in action. Kimberly, let's get to yes, some so. top stories. Mm -hmm. We begin with Sean Payton's current team, the Broncos. Yeah, feel okay, so right before we came on air, we're just hearing Broncos wide receiver KJ Hamlin, Camp Hamler, put on Instagram that he has a mild heart irritation, pericarditis, and he pretty much said, you know, I hope to be back soon, but the team has to waive him with a non-football injury designation. They are going to bring him back, but Here's a very serious situation for this Broncos wide receiver room because even getting into another injury in this room, um, Tim Patrick. This is a guy who last year tore his ACL. Well, guess what? Now he was carted off the field at practice, and Sean Payton said it's a left Achilles. Now, I think our own Jeff Legwald wrote 
three weeks ago an article about how this Broncos wide receiver room hadn't all been on the field for more than probably two games. And that was three weeks ago. And they all were excited about what this group could be. And now we have no idea what this unit will look like in a very pivotal year as we're talking about for the Broncos. Now, Jalen Ramsey, big free agent signing in Miami. Everybody's hot on Miami, except now Jalen Ramsey not on the field. So he has the meniscus surgery. We don't know exactly when he will be back. Um, he's trying to come back, not miss much time. But again, we, with these kind of injuries, you just don't know. In this surgery, you don't know when he's going to be on the field. And this, obviously, we know the AFC East, very loaded division. Dolphins need him in their secondary. And Joe Burrow, another big AFC name. Joe Burrow, out several weeks with this calf strain. Again, when you watch the video, you are relieved that it wasn't more serious. Except, Field, I'm covering Browns-Bengals week one. I want to know for certain that Joe Burrow will be on the field. And right now, the Bengals aren't – they're definitely not saying that just yet. So, we don't know exactly how long Joe Burrow will be sidelined. Well, so, Joe, keep an eye on that. Joe, you heard Kim. You need to be ready by week one. <laughs> I will be there. For Kim and Kim only. Everybody else, exactly. that's extra. Yeah. That's superfluous. <laughs> but if Kim has Joe Burrow to cover in week one, we are all good. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. Uh, after making some big offseason additions – like linebacker Bobby Wagner. Have the Seahawks done enough to contend in the NFC? Here, what Mina has some. Plus, Cold Star running back Jonathan Taylor has requested to be traded from the team. Could this spell disaster for Indy? We'll hear from head coach Shane Steichen for the first time. You don't want to miss that. NFL Live is brought to you by Miller Lite. Great taste, 96 calories, taste like Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Saturday, once again, we'll have the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony for you right here on ESPN. The class of 2023 includes Rondé Barber, Don Coriel, Chuck Ali, Joe Klecko, Darrell Rivas, Ken Riley, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, and Demarcus Ware, Swagoo's former teammate. Coverage begins at 9 Eastern, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It can also be found on the ESPN app. As you can imagine, the buzz is palpable, palpable surrounding the Seahawks following a terrific 2022 season and what looks to be a very improved defense in 2023. You see no fans, back off the PUP list, running around, and for more, we head to the very Pacific Northwest, Renton, Washington, where we found our guy, Dan Graziano. And Graz, we had a chance to speak with a couple of stars on the offensive side of the ball. What more can you tell us? Yeah, I talked to quarterback Geno Smith. Just sort of, it was a nice conversation about his journey and 
how he sort of wasn't surprised with his performance last year. Talked about how he had been getting ready for his opportunity and, and took advantage of it. I asked him, what gives you the confidence you can build on it? And he said, you know, the work I put in. He said, the, I, I believe in the work I do in terms of my training, in terms of my preparation, in terms of bonding with my teammates. Uh, and, and I know that there will be difficult times, but I've had plenty of those and I know how to overcome them. So Geno Smith, very much a man at peace and a man of confidence going into this season. He and DK Metcalf both very excited about rookie wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. Metcalf told me this guy looks like he's already been here two or three years, the way he runs routes, the way he tracks the ball. He said, I think he's going to be an exceptional player. And, and Smith and Jigba has been showing off here uh, in practice every single day. It's been something to watch. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Who says you can't go home, Graz? Is after just one year with the Rams. Bobby Wagner is back with the Seahawks agreeing to a one-year deal. What's been the reaction to perhaps the best linebacker in team history being back with the Seahawks? Yeah, I talked to their defensive coordinator, Clint Hurt, and he said Bobby Wagner has almost got like rock star status in the locker room because there's so many young guys on this defense that kind of watched him when they were growing up. Uh, he said, but it's been great for them to see the example he sets, the guy who's here at 530 in the morning uh, that's obsessive about watching film. And he thinks it'll be obviously a benefit for the young defense to have him uh, back in the middle of it. This is a Seahawks defense field that was the, the third worst against the run in the whole league last year. Uh, the defensive coordinator, Clint Hurd, who I talked to, he said a lot of that was due to the, the, the back-end changes they made, playing more split safety coverage and, and how that affected the safeties and the run fits. So he expects improvement there. But obviously beefing up in the middle with Bobby Wagner, with Devin Bush, uh, should help that as well. Graz, great stuff. Enjoy the rest of your camp tour. Looking forward to check in, checking in with you from somewhere in the next couple of days because everybody knows Dan Graziano was a well-traveled man. All right, enjoy the California coast, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. The Seahawks made the playoffs last season, but as Dan sort of referenced, mostly because of their offense, their defense ranked near the bottom of the league in both EPA and rushing, allowing 150 yards per game on the ground. Graz was just talking about those ales there, but they relied on a standard pass rush, sending a blitz at their lowest rate under Pete Carroll. All right, so Mina, a lot of changes to this defense, new pieces in free agency, big investments in the draft. Have they done, have they done enough, do you think, to be a playoff caliber defense? Yeah, that's the question, Field, because I'm very confident and optimistic about this offense. The defense, I, I have some questions because I, what were the two biggest weaknesses last year, stopping the run, which frankly cost them some games, and getting after the quarterback, that's not necessarily what they addressed. Like right now, the strength of this defense, in my opinion, is the secondary, which I think has the potential to be one of the better secondaries in the entire NFL. So the challenge for defensive coordinator Clint Hurt is how do you lean on your strength to compensate for holes and potential weaknesses? Maybe you play more dime personnel. You have J uh, Jamal Adams in there as the third safety shoring up the run as kind of a de facto linebacker because you added Julian Love, who is a really underrated pickup at safety. Perhaps you blitz more. You live mm. to this. They blitzed it amongst the lowest race in the NFL last year. But you may be, you should be able to trust these talented young corners to hold up in coverage. There are things that they can do, I think, schematically to lean on their strengths and improve on the areas where they struggled last year. And if they do, uh, this should be a very good group. MK, every Sunday when I go to church, they call it, I'm going to get the good news. So I'm going to give you some good news about your Seattle Seahawks. Because they play on Sundays too. I'm ready. 
You alluded to it a little bit. I'm going to get with Bobby Wagner because he had a, a phenomenal season last year, but obviously the Rams were, were poor as a team and it kind of got overshadowed. Bobby still looks like he's a high-level elite linebacker in this league. And I think a lot of people kind of forgot that because he kind of went away with the Rams in their season. But him being back, and not only that, the motivation and familiarity with your surroundings. So I think he may even have a more explosive season. But you alluded to Jamal Adams, Prez. And I know if the injuries have become a thing with him as well, it's almost similar to Odell Beckham Jr. When, you, when he's on the field, the talent is as good as anybody in the NFL. And I think him coming back, and like you talked about, either moving him down in those boxes or bringing him in the blitz scheme, he was known yeah. uh, for being a guy to get after the quarterback and help you in your pass rush. But also adding an extra guy to the box that is a willing participant in tackling. And I think Jamal Adams is really the key cog, and having Bobby Wagner back in the center of that defense is going to make everybody else around them better. Jamal Adams' health is as important to the Seattle Seahawks' success than I think anything else on this football team. Mm. We expect a lot of other elements on this team to be really good. Yeah, kind of a forgotten man is Jamal Adams. He was such a high-impact player for the Jets. Obviously, injuries have unfortunately curtailed his production for the Seahawks, at least thus far. Far From Done here on NFL Live is coming up. More contract controversy surrounding running back as Jonathan Taylor has expressed his frustration over how his contract situation has been handled. Amina thinks he's got a case. Stick around to hear why. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Aaron, what do you got for us, man? Oh, I got nothing, man. I'm just happy to be out here, excited to be with you guys. All I'm going to say is this camp is a long camp, right? Let's just enjoy the little things every single day, right? Take time to laugh a little bit. Find a conversation at lunchtime with somebody new. Don't always sit with the same group. Get to know your teammates a little bit. Yeah, that's part of the leadership role. And just enjoy the little moments. It goes by fast, and you get to be really old and gray and savoring every little moment. So savor them right now. Right? Cues on three. One, two, three. Cues. Hard Knocks training camp with the New York Jets streams August 8th on Max. Uh, back here on NFL Live, we've got some top stories, including some running back news. Let's dive into it with Kimberly Martin. That, of course, includes a potential Jet and Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Field well. Dalvin Cook has officially left the building. That, according to our Jeremy Fowler, 
who tweeted here that Dalvin Cook had a great visit, but he's headed back to South Florida, which is interesting. As we talked about earlier in the show, Dalvin Cook loved his visit with the Jets, but he has leverage in that there are other teams interested in him. One of those teams being his hometown Miami Dolphins and also the Patriots. So we will watch Dalvin's movements very closely over the next week, next few days or a week to see what he wants to do. Speaking of friendly visits, Ezekiel Elliott, he was in Foxborough. All indications were he had a good visit with the Patriots, even was spotted having dinner with quarterback Mac Jones. But he too left the building without signing a deal. Now, Zeke, from the beginning, since he was released by the Cowboys, he had said, you know what, I'd heard he was going to take his time and not make any rush decisions. Clearly, he needs more time to decide if New England is where he wants to be. Now, oh man, Josh Jacobs. He is, he's not been spotted in Vegas. It's unclear if they will ever see him. He's not been happy in Vegas since he was hit with the tag. And right now there's questions about could he be traded? This situation is so disheartening because he led the league in rushing and he clearly isn't happy where he is. Yep, not even under contract right now as he has not yet signed that tender. Lots of running back news, but perhaps none as curious as the news that's been brimming uh, over the past few days in Indianapolis. From unexpected to bad to ugly, downright nasty now. That's how things have gone recently for the Colts with running back Jonathan Taylor. And let's get you through the recent timeline. Over the past 48 hours or so, Taylor met with Colts owner Jim Ursay on Saturday night. And after that meeting, Taylor's trade request from last week became public. That's right, he requested a trade from Indianapolis. Ursay responded saying the Colts aren't going to trade Taylor, and then things took a turn Sunday night as reports came out that Indy is considering placing him on the non-football injury list because of back pain. The running back took to Twitter and said he had never reported any back pain to the team. This is all very bizarre. It's very bizarre for their first-year head coach, Shane Steichen, who was asked about it earlier today. What does Jonathan Taylor have? What's that? What does Taylor have? He's just dealing with something right now, and I'm going to refrain from getting into all that. Shane, as you guys plan, are you expecting JT to play this year for you? Yeah, right now he's on this football team. He's on this football team, and when the medical staff clears him, he should be out here. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. It doesn't matter, you know, who, who comes and who goes. Yeah, you know, and, and it's a privilege to be part of it. All right, that, of course, was Jim Irsay that you heard with that. Um, how do I say this diplomatically? Yeah. Interesting quote in regards <laughs> to Jonathan Taylor and <laughs> himself. What? Uh, Swagu, you've been in these. You've been in a locker room. Uh, this is an owner speaking. I would say in an unfavorable light about probably the team's best player over the past few years. If you're in that locker room right now, how do you feel about your owner talking about a player in this regard? It's, it's one disrespectful, and I would ask Jim Mercy if it don't matter. That because things go go on. Why the hell you want good players on your football team then? If it don't matter, like you just you just teeing it up every season to to get your checks and hopefully people fill up the stadium. What are you talking about? Number one, Jonathan Taylor at a time was the only bright spot on your team when everything else around him was falling apart. This this kid, young man, was in the MVP conversation a few years ago. And now it comes a time where he's trying to get paid and everybody that does a phenomenal job at their job, they want to be compensated for it. And for Jim Ursay to say something like that, and listen, nobody on this show, and I don't believe our viewers, they are smart enough to know, and nobody's naive 
to think that owners don't think this way, okay? And, and that some of them really do feel this way. Well, if he go, he go. But the bottom line is, when you are trying to have a business that is predicated on guys doing their job at a high level and enjoying the place in which they are, you don't say things like this publicly. And you don't put it out there in the atmosphere. Now, John Teller got to walk back into an organization with an owner, owner that says, well, it don't matter if you're here or not. We'll be all right. Time will go on. The league will go on. And in his mind, it's like, okay, so what's my incentive for being here in Indianapolis? This is a huge problem. And as a guy in the locker room, if I was a leader and talking to JT, I would literally tell him, do everything you can to get the hell out of here while trying to get myself out of there as well. Yeah, I mean, setting aside the horrible optics in the present uh, and the way it might hit in the locker room or outside of it, it also, what Ursay said, just struck me, runs counter to everything we love about the NFL, the way the league is talked about, which is players do matter. They impact the sport forever. They make fans fall in love with the game. You can say that the league will keep growing financially regardless, and maybe that side of it is true. But to say that individual players don't have an impact that goes beyond their careers, I think is just incorrect. So I thought that was an awful look, completely unnecessary. All he had to do, aside from saying nothing, was to simply say, we want to do what's best for the long-term interests of our football team. Fine. Um, now, as far as Jonathan Taylor goes, I hate to say this after watching that, but I don't believe he has leverage in this situation, which is probably why Jim Irsay feels comfortable saying that. Even with the Zach Moss injury, which I think Kimberly's going to talk about, um, I don't think the Colts are likely to give him a deal he wants if he holds out. I don't think it's in his interest to hold out and lose game checks. I also think if he plays this year, next to Anthony Richardson with Shane Steichen, he could have a really good season, hopefully with some better blocking. So I'd like to see that from him, as much as it pains me that uh, Ursay will get his way. You know, Mina, back when the Jets and Packers were trying to negotiate the Aaron Rodgers trade, everybody kept asking who has the leverage. Same deal here. I'm not sure it matters who, have the le who has the leverage right now because both sides, Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, are in a very peculiar spot and Kimberly, Mina referenced how the Colts might have even more running back concerns because Zach Moss got injured at practice today. What do we know about his injury? Yeah, so Jim Mercer may not value running backs that much, but he's run out of available bodies. You already have Jonathan Taylor on pup. Now you have Zach Moss out four to six weeks approximately with a broken arm. Now, with Taylor's sideline, Zach Moss's presence became even more important. Now he's sidelined. That means third stringer Deion Jackson is in line for an even sizable role. Now, obviously the Colts have to address the depth in their running back room. But if you're if you're Jonathan Taylor and you're just watching this whole situation, um, it, it's just remarkable how how different things felt a while ago. You thought, okay, Jonathan Taylor is going to come back in this offense with this young quarterback, and now you just look at the Colts and you don't know what to make of them because of the contentiousness between both parties. And you would just hope with a rookie quarterback you do everything yeah. in your power to make this kid comfortable, and instead you have this drama surrounding Anthony Richardson. Not ideal to start Baby training face. Game. Swaggy, what oh, do you we got? got a roll. We got a roll? All right, hold the thought, Swaggy. Let, let me say this. Let right, me say this. Yeah, you take okay, it. Okay, all right, all right. No, have it, have it, have it. Let me say this. Mina brought up a great point. I got it, I got it. Mina brought up a great point, all right? And we all understand what the NFL is. But, but I, I hate to get sentimental. Kids ain't coming to the stadium to see the league go on. 
They come into the stadium to see their favorite players. These fans ain't cursing us the hell out on Twitter when we say something bad about their team because it's just going to go on with you or without you. Okay? That ain't the right type of attitude in general when you approach and trying to win football games, which everybody should be there for, Mm -hmm. which is an even bigger problem. I'm sure Jonathan Taylor is a legit reason why a lot of people show up to that stadium in Indianapolis to watch that football team play because of how good he is at yeah. playing the game. That That's just ultimate disrespect. He ain't going to fly over yeah. on this show or when I'm on a show. Swagoo, well said, my friend. He might be the only reason they've been worth watching on offense for the past couple of seasons. Still to come here on NFL Live, what will this Texans defense look like under new head coach D'Amico Ryans? Hear what rookie Will Anderson Jr. had to say about that new-look Houston defense. ESPN Fantasy Football is the number one fantasy game of the season. Right around the corner, get your league started now at ESPN.com slash fantasy football. Also, please check out Fantasy Focus. The new season started today. Speaking of fantasy, how about this catch right here from a defensive back? That's right, Giant Safety Jason Pinnock with a one-handed catch from over the weekend. There you go up and get it right there. That's kind of like the defensive version of the OBJ. Slightly different stakes, but still pretty darn sweet all the same. I personally could not make that play. It's why I'm just sitting here on TV. Time now for some read and react, and we start with the Giants again as pass rusher Kayvon Thibodeau shared his thoughts after reflecting on the season's past. Definitely. I think, you know, every time you look at look back at a play, you feel like you could have ate a little bit more. So, um, yeah, man, I, it, you know, last year's film kind of disgusts me a little bit when I look at myself. I get a little cringe feeling, but it definitely is, you know, like I said, a platform to uh, continue to grow. I mean, how does this Giants defense continue to grow this year? Uh, starts with that guy, because I thought Kayvon Thibodeau really improved as the year went along, even if his film disgusted him. It didn't disgust me. Uh, and I also think this Giants defensive line, combined with Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, who's, of course, amazing, Zizo Jolari, has the potential to be the strength of this team. I'm curious to see if... Uh, Wing Martinell, their defensive coordinator, leans more on that four-man rush and blitzes a little bit less this year. And I think it starts with Kayvon Thibodeau building on what we saw at the end of last year and becoming uh, a more complete pass rusher. Let's go to New England where one Bill, Bill Belichick, shared his thoughts on the new play caller, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, Bill's great. Bill's great to work with. Um, You know, really experienced coach. Um, You know, has a good feel for all aspects of the game. He's been you know, a head coach and um, different than when it was the last time. You know, he's had that experience of, you know, handling all types of things besides just being an offensive coordinator. So, you know, it brings a lot of experience, a lot of confidence. Um, well, it's great to have Bill. Swagger, you like this uh, fit there for uh, Bill O'Brien in New England? I, I love the fit. I love anything outside of what they had last year, damn it. <laughs> and I'm glad Bill O'Brien is back um, with, with – with, this franchise and organization they needed like as crazy as this may sound new england needed a little steadying of the ship when it comes to offensive football and not just because of the offensive coordinators that they had the debacle they had last year they've been struggling a little bit we talked about the talent on that side of the ball we talked about the stunning of the growth of mac jones i think this absolutely helps him bill o'brien the general manager i wasn't a big fan of in houston as a coach i was he had some success, and he just came from the college game, so some of that nuance 
may infiltrate itself within this offense as well. I love the hire. I love the fact that they've gotten back to, to just some football as opposed to uh, offensive coordinator tryouts. Three letters, R-P-O. Hopefully lots of that in New England this year. Finally, go to Miami where head coach Mike McDaniel had the latest on star cornerback Jalen Ramsey. He was in good spirits, and, you know, I, I think the surgery went about as well as it could have, you know, in terms of where his mindset is at immediately. Tell me whatever the timeline is, and I'm going to beat it by a month. Thankfully, we have a training staff that really does a good job of protecting players against themselves, so I know that he won't be rushed. I know one thing. When uh, Jalen's back on the field, um, this year, he's going to be 100% Jalen Ramsey. Can't wait to see it. Kimberly, what more can you add on the timeline? Yeah, here's the thing. The reality is he was expected to miss months. Now Jalen Ramsey's telling Mike McDaniel, hey, whatever the timeline is, I'll beat it by a month. That's still not a great scenario for the Dolphins who need uh, impact players in their secondary, but it is great um, that he's in great spirits. And the fact that Mike McDaniel said, Jalen Ramsey is a self-proclaimed alien. He, he's going to come back like himself. That is good news. But again, they have a very difficult start to the season. So no Jalen Ramsey, that's an issue for the Dolphins. Vic Fangio can only do so much, but this defense certainly looking better on paper. Elsewhere in the AFC, the Texans defense will be led by first-year head coach D'Amico Ryans. He was the 49ers defensive coordinator over the past two seasons. Houston traded up to select Will Anderson Jr. third overall in the 2023 NFL Draft. He spoke about how all three levels of the defense have been working together in training. Yeah, those guys have been doing a tremendous job. I mean, the way they swarm to the ball, the way they make plays at the top of you know, the defense and everything like that, it makes our job really easy. And not just only for me, but the whole defensive line gets a chance to eat because when you got great coverage like that, one of us has to get the sack. So the defensive line has been doing a really good job. We've all, like, building our, our chemistry in the room, helping each other learn how to rush together, who can work well with each other and stuff like that, you know, what moves to do and everything like that. So I really respect all those guys in the room. I think we're all doing a really good job of, you know, just trying to figure this thing out and working together. Exciting times now in Houston, Mina. What do you anticipate this defense to prioritize under D'Amico Ryans? Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing how D'Amico changes what he did in San Francisco to accommodate the skills of the talented players he does have on this Houston defense. Because so much of what the Niners did was based on the fact that they had the best off-ball linebacker in the NFL, and of course Fred Warner mm. patrolling the middle. It affected the kinds of coverages they called, what they did with pressures, when they blitzed, all of it. Uh, Fred Warner is a unicorn. Houston does not have that unicorn. In fact, I would argue linebacker is the weakest position on this roster, but they do have a lot of talent, a young talent, by the way, in that secondary. They also added Jimmy Ward. And now with Will Anderson Jr. next to Jerry Hughes, Sheldon Rankins, there's talent up front as well. So for D'Amico, the challenge is, okay, you have a defense that looks very different from the one in San Francisco. How do you unleash Will Anderson Jr.? How do you put him in positions to succeed? How can you lean on the likes of Derek Stanley Jr. and, and Jalen Petrie to help him, as Anderson alluded to? I'm really curious to see what it looks like because I think it'll look very different from you know, the Tampa 2 uh, Lovey Smith defense we've seen as of late. No question to be very, very different. I think you'll see more of players uh, having their strengths maximized. A guy like Derek Stingley Jr. should be a much bigger impact yeah. player in this scheme compared to how he was utilized a season ago. Coming up next, after a surprising breakout season, what are the expectations for Brock Purdy in year two as the starter 
Hear what Swagoo thinks he still needs to prove as he heads into that sophomore campaign. New on NFL Live, Cowboys running back Ronald Jones has been suspended two games to begin the 2023 regular season. This is due to a violation of the PED policy. Jones considered a possible backup to Tony Pollard this season. Now might have more of an uphill challenge of sticking around on the roster. Other backs include Malik Davis and Deuce Vaughn. Thoughts here, Swagoo? Yeah, this is a big one because depth is going to be key in this new offensive scheme. And also, like, Ronald Jones is a physical back, right? And we talk about Tony Pollard and him being that kind of spread you out type guy. Ronald Jones was supposed to be the bell cow in between tackles like he did in Tampa, a real physical impact runner. It's two games, mm -hmm. so I'm not ringing the alarm bell, yeah. but I still would like to see Dallas name in the Dalvin Cook sweepstakes. I am not ready. Maybe I am ready for the Marcus Spears emotional experience of watching and following the Cowboys during the regular season. <laughs> Just about six weeks away. We might have to do one this. We might have to do, do one this year, man. Let's do it. Let's go to San Francisco yeah, yeah. now, where quarterback Brock Purdy continues to be on track to start Week One of the regular season after that off-season elbow surgery. Here's head coach Kyle Shanahan on his team's quarterback. I think he's done great. I mean, he's come back. He's had no arm troubles. He's been totally healthy, and um, I think he's getting all his timing back, his rhythm. Um, I was really impressed with him in his two practices. I think everybody understands that we've got a really good group. Um, I like the way that group is progressing and uh, really believe, uh, especially with Brock and the build-up program, there's going to be days where he's not out. There's going to be ample opportunities for each of these guys to show who they are. Purdy was amongst the most effective quarterbacks in the NFL when he took over as the starter back in December. Week 14 on, he had the third highest QBR, averaged the most yards per attempt, and of course, his playmakers were elite as they averaged more yards after the catch per completion, nearly seven a pop during that time. They're always good after the catch. Kimberly, what's the latest with Brock Purdy in San Francisco? Listen, Kyle Shannon said it. He's had no arm trouble. Um, they expect Purdy to be the guy. My big question is, can Brock Purdy do it again? Uh, I was there when he got injured. This is a team that, that thought, hey, we just need Mr. Relevant to sort of hold the fort. And instead, he could have gotten this team to the Super Bowl had he not gotten hurt. So I want to see if, now that the expectations are higher, can he deliver? Yeah, I mean, there's no way to undersell what, or pretty, uh, oversell what Brock Purdy did last year in terms of surpassing expectations, operating the offense. I do think, however, there are areas that he can improve upon. Um, he was a playmaker in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't, but I do think at times he was a little bit quick to leave the pocket, a little bit careless with the football, didn't get punished for it. So I think you wanted to see him develop when he's not thrust into action late in the season as a starter. Yeah, listen, Mina has heard me say this a million times. There's a sample size now. So schemes will change. Looks will change. People will try to exploit your weaknesses because they have a good amount of what you do well. I want to see how he responds to that. Has one of the best play callers in the NFL. We know that guys thrive in Shanahan's system. But this will be the ultimate test for Brock Purdy coming in as a starter with people knowing who he is from a sample size that he gave us last year. And Brock Purdy's trying to do something that really hasn't been done that often under Kyle Shanahan as the 49ers head coach. One time during his tenure in San Francisco has a quarterback started every game during a season. That was Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019. Ooh. The Niners made the Super Bowl this year. Got time for one more thing, and let's hear from Bill's safety, Demar Hamlin, on what it's like 
being back in pads for the very first time. Man, it feels amazing. It's a roller coaster of emotions. I was kind of all over the place, you know, just kind of being back for the first time. But um, God don't make no mistakes, you know what I'm saying? I'm on God's timing. As much as the NFL is, you know, on schedule and camp starts this day, this is all God's timing. Pretty much lost my life playing this sport, you know what I'm saying? So to come back and do it all over again, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's just, you know, it's, it's all over the place, you know what I mean? But I'm rooted in my faith. I'm rooted in, you know, the love of, that I receive from my family, um, my teammates, you know, and the love all around the world. That just, it, it keeps me going, you know what I'm saying? And I, I got goals that I, that I still want to achieve within this game. Inspiring stuff right there from DeMar Hamlin. You love to see it. He has certainly deserved the opportunity to be back with his teammates on the field. Best of luck to him this season. NFL Live 